Welcome to this week's podcast from Oceans Church in Orange County. We hope you're encouraged by this week's message. For more information, please visit our website at theoceanschurch.com. Hey, good morning, Oceans Church. So good to see you guys. It's just good to be home. Uh, I know I could could be a lot of different places, but there's just no place like Ocean's Church. I'm telling you, this has just really separated itself. Not only am I honored to call this my church, my home church, but my kids love it. Our family loves it. And I believe there's a lot of things to get excited about. Come on, let's talk about Ocean's kids for just a second. Aren't you glad that your kids are getting ministered to? Let's talk about Ocean's youth. Come on, Ocean's youth. Hello. Some powerful things happening. OC College just came back from an incredible encounter weekend. We're talking about what God is doing in small groups, what he's doing through Angel House, and just these different ministries from Bernie Moore and all these others that this church has chosen to real come come into strong agreement with. It's just fun. But I, I think it's a quality reflection of some incredible leaders, some, some world-class voices. And I, I want to honor our pastors, Pastor Mark and Pastor Rochelle. Come on, aren't you grateful for the Francie family? Aren't you grateful for Pastor Joel? Come on, Pastor Chris and the Hussies. Aren't you grateful for the Perkies? Just these incredible leaders. We're surrounded by giants. It's, in, it's insane, the, the, the army that God has built together. But I, I am so honored to be able to speak and minister uh, here, but I recognize I got a lot of new friends in the tent. Uh, uh, so let me tell you my story so you know where I'm coming from, okay? Because I'm not from California. I'm originally from the nation of Texas, all right? And so, yeah. And so I grew up right there on the border of the United States and Mexico. And, and you probably have heard of my city, but at one point for all the wrong reasons, because nobody vacations in my city, okay? It's not Laguna Niguel, okay? Like, I'm not lying. You go there for one of two reasons. Number one, you go to there to visit family, or number two, you go to there to do something illegal. That's the only, I'm not playing. If you ever seen an episode of Narcos, that's like a Christmas family movie for us, all right? So, it's, I'm not lying, Christmas is fun, or the FBI is kicking in the front door. That's the only way we live. So, you can imagine growing up in that kind of environment by the age of 12, I had a drug addiction, a lust problem, an anger issue, but I love to play basketball. Come on, anybody love to hoop in here? Yep, all four of you, that's great. So I would go to this church that had a gym, and they would open up right before the youth service to get the students in the gym, and then get them into the service. Well, I would leave in the middle of that transition. I would, I would dip and find somewhere else to play. But the youth pastor, he got involved in my life. And one day he came to me and said, hey, you want to go to church camp? Now, honestly, God, I had no idea what this was, okay? He said, hey, you want to go to church camp? I said, there are going to be hot girls at this camp. There are going to be fine women at this camp. He's, I'm not lying. I was a 16-year-old little pervert. I had no idea what I was saying. And he said, uh, he said hey, uh, he said, well, we're going to go for Jesus. I said, fine, you can go for Jesus. I'm going to get some phone numbers. <laughs> I'm going to camp. What I didn't realize is on the first night of that camp, your boy got saved, got filled with the Holy Spirit, called into ministry all in one night, baby. Game-changing night for me. From that point forward, I went to Bible college, went into business for ourselves, became a missionary in Sri Lanka, and really the last 13 years of my life has really been dedicated to raising and releasing this next wave of influencers and voices. And I'm honored. I get to help carry an incredible vision at Missions Me, where we unite the global church for the salvation and transformation of nations. And this church was on the front lines of one of those moments. Come on, anybody remember One Day LA? 
just this incredible move of God. And we are so convinced that God is making an aggressive move on America. And what we started in Los Angeles doesn't end in Los Angeles. I'm telling you, we're storming America. And we want you guys to come with us. But there is no way that I could do anything that God's called me to do without marrying the right one. And she's right here on the front row, my wife, Erica. She's amazing. Um, we have four beautiful kids. She wants more. I don't. Pray for her, not me. <laughs> All right. But I can't think of a better place to be than right here at home at Ocean's Church. Come on. Now, how many excited about being in church today? Now, I, 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 as you can tell, I'm Hispanic. Hopefully you tell that. But um, I don't do no quiet church. I'm too Hispanic for that. All right. I, I believe the word of God deserves a, a response. Hello. I believe we should give the word the most, uh, the most crowd support. We should give the word home field advantage, right? I like playing on my home court because that meant I had the most crowd support. Can we give the word the most crowd support today? Right? So, listen, I need you to talk back to me or you're going to see this Mexican with the mic get real insecure. All right? That's not pretty. So, I need you to talk back to me. Can you do that? Somebody say yes. yes. Say, come on, somebody. Come on. Say, some on, somebody. I don't, I don't know how to spell that. I don't know how to spell that. But are you ready for the word? All right, I believe you. Hey, turn on your Bible and go to First Samuel. I know what generation we live in, for crying out loud. All right, turn it on. First um, Samuel chapter 15. We're going to begin eating in First Sammy. And then we're going, to have, we're going to have a little dessert in Hebrews 11. Hopefully we leave full, right? But I, I, uh, I really felt like as I was praying uh, into knowing I was preaching today, I felt like God spoke to me. He said, son, I, I said, Lord, what do you want to say to your people? And he said, son, let them know that I am taking up their unfinished business. And I feel like perhaps there are things that are on the edge of being completed or just within reach, or perhaps you still have a long way to go, but God is looking at it as unfinished business. And when I say that, I want you to get excited because I believe God is not trying to raise up people who know how to start. He's trying to raise up people who know how to finish. And I, I say that humbly because I, I have watched one time as, as God gave us a book named Finisher. And uh, I was being interviewed on TV and, and, and the interviewer asked me one time, they said, what does God want most from this generation? And I've always remembered that question throughout my life. And this question came up yesterday as I was praying and processing into today. I, I remember that question. What does God want most from this generation? And the answer wasn't something I had planned. It wasn't something I had written down. or when It, it was something that leaped out of my spirit. And the first time I heard it, it was when it was leaving my own voice. And I remember he said, what does God desire most from this generation? And out of me, I feel like God said, he wants a generation of finishers. Because I believe the world is impressed with what you start, but it's transformed by what you finish. And we don't need people who are casual towards the finish line. We don't need people who are passive at the finish line. You don't need to get comfortable in the middle. You've put in too much blood, sweat, and tears. You've cried too much. You've prayed too much. You've worshiped too long to just get halfway mediocre and so-so. No, I believe that history is written by those who know how to finish. Come on, do we have a church full of people who want God to finish some things? I believe God's going to finish some healing this morning. I believe God's going to finish some freedom this morning. I believe God's going to put the final exclamation point on your decision for Jesus this morning. Come on. Anybody want God to finish? I believe it. 
Well, here in 1 Samuel, we're going to get a, uh, we're going to parachute in the middle of a situation. King, uh, King Saul is about to get some very specific instructions. And what I have found is when God gets very uh, specific, he's not trying to impress me with his attention to detail. All right. He's saying, I want this done a certain way can only be done this way. All right. And so he gets very specific with King Saul. Now you have to understand where King Saul's at in his reign. Everybody loves them. Some King Saul. I mean, everybody. Why? Because he secured the borders. And when he secured the borders, it meant there were no raiders coming in, stealing from the people. So the agriculture boomed. When the agriculture boomed, the economy boomed. When the economy boomed, he built the military up. They're kicking butts and taking names and everybody's enjoying prosperity. So everybody loved them some King Saul. The Christian TMZ of the day can't find one negative thing about King Saul. All right. They love King Saul. But then God comes and gives King Saul an assignment that would seem beneath where he's at in life. This is below my pay grade. This isn't for me. I have people I've hired to do this or people I can delegate this to, but God gives it to King Saul. And I truly believe for a lot of reasons, but the chief one to me is that God is testing King Saul's heart. Like it says in Deuteronomy verse eight, or chapter 18, verse 32, it says, God will test our hearts through pathways of humility. Can I give you an assignment that perhaps you're too big for and would you still do it? Would you still complete it? Would you still carry it? And so he, this is what he's about to tell him. Look at this in verse 1, 1 Samuel 15. He says, the prophet Samuel said to Saul, I am the one the Lord sent to anoint you king over his people Israel. So listen now to the message from the Lord. This is what the Lord Almighty says. I will punish the Amalekites for what they did to Israel when they ambushed them as they came out of Egypt. Look up at me for a second. You do realize that this ambush happened about 400 years before King Saul. This ain't even in his lifetime. So he has no personal connection to this, except it's in the heart of God. And, and God says, I'm going to punish him. This just tells me God is willing to remove our sin as far as the east is from the west. He's also willing to remember the day the enemy was stupid enough to ever touch our nation, our families, our bodies, our minds, and he will have his vengeance. Are you following me? So he says, I'm going to punish the Amalekites. Now watch this. Uh, verse 3, now go attack the Amalekites and totally destroy all that belongs to them. Do not spare them. Put to death men, women, children, infants, ca- infants, cattle, sheep, camels, and donkeys. This is a bad day to be a donkey. You won't be like an aardvark or an orangutan. He's not on the list. But you won't want to be a donkey, right? Look at verse 7. Look at verse 7. Church jokes. Verse 7, then Saul attacked the Amalekites all the way. From Havilah to Shur. Say that with me. From Havilah to Shur. Say it one more time. From Havilah to Shur. Now, you may not know this, but from the city of Havilah to the edge of the desert of Shur is 694 miles. That would be, I mapped it this morning, that would be like from where I'm standing right now all the way to the Oregon border. That's how far. He began the attack and chased them that long, that far. Amazing, right? Watch this. It says he attacks them all the way from Havilah-Shur near the eastern border of Egypt. He took Agag, king of the Amalekites, alive, and all his people he totally destroyed with the sword. But Saul and the army spared Agag and the best of the sheep, the cattle, the fat calves, and lambs, everything that was good. These they were unwilling to completely destroy, but everything that was despised and weak, they totally destroyed. Let's pray for a moment, and then we're going to unpack this. Holy Spirit, I thank you for the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of Jesus Christ. I thank you for every life, 
every marriage, every family, every destiny represented. In fact, I speak to this atmosphere and I say that you are full of faith. You are full of hope. You are full of peace. You are full of joy. You are full of love. And I come against every limit, every restriction, every barrier, every lie, every demonic harassment. I say is broken right now in Jesus' name. And I call your men and women into their season. I call them into their rhythm. I call them into strength. I call them into truth. I call them into your mercy and grace. I call them in, Lord, into accuracy. I call them into authority right now that we would finish what you're asking from us as a generation of people in the mighty name of Jesus. And everyone said, amen, amen. Amen. I feel like praying this morning. I want to speak to you from this subject. I want to talk to you about being a finisher. I believe what separates today's entrepreneurs, top thinkers, influencers, is not that they start, it's that they finish. And they finish well. I believe athletes are not interested in just starting the game, but finishing with a very successful career. I I believe that someone who has a business idea or someone that has something that they want to build, perhaps groom and develop into something that could change lives or better their family, they don't want to just start it. They want to finish it. But then there are storms. There are struggles. it's, It's surprising to me how the unexpected can take all the fight out of us. What we didn't plan, what we didn't anticipate, what didn't get added to the cow, then all of that starts taxing the ability to say, I want to finish. But let it be said that Ocean's Church was not people who started, who daydreamed, who thought of good ideas. Let it be said that Ocean's Church was about the action, was about the movement, was about being on the front lines, was about carrying, was about finishing. Do I have any finishers in this tent? Do I have anybody who wants to finish a marriage strong and be different from the rest of the family? Do I have any finishers who want to take on the juggernauts of the day, the influencers of the day, the powers of the day? We need a generation of finishers. I I remember one time, um, I was, uh, th- th- let me back up. I'm going to tell you the story, and it's B.C. and B.E., okay? B.C. in my life, before Christ, and before Erica, my wife, all right? So don't at me, all right? Don't at me, all right? So I remember uh, a friend of mine, her name was Leslie. She and I had decided, hey, we're going to go to prom together, and, and we were going to go as friends. She was a good church-going girl. I didn't know what that was, so you could already see the disaster was coming. And so I, I remember... Um, I remember we made plans, you know, uh, you're going to do this. We're going to pay for this. We got to go in the same on this. I said, Hey, I'm gonna pick you up. I didn't even have a car. I don't know how I was, was going to steal one or whatever, but I, I, I like, I, I remember I, I said, I'm gonna pick you up at seven 30. The dance starts at seven. We go, we fast, we late, rolling hot. Right? So I remember, I don't know how it works in orange County, but where I'm from, you don't go straight to the dance. You go to a couple parties first before you hit that dance. Some of you are not in your head. You're like, it works the same way in Orange County. This is a fact. (laughs) So I remember I go to these parties. I kid you not, full disclosure, I get so drunk and high. 7 o'clock comes, 7.30, 8, 8 o'clock, 9, You know, I, I realize for this day, it's amazing to me how I notice there's a difference between the way men get ready and women get ready. Like, I have since been discipled by my wife and my two daughters. I know the pattern. I know the time frames. There is going to be a difference. And ladies, I mean, for something as formal as prom, I mean, you're like, you got to find the dress. And that takes three months of prayer, fasting, and intercession. You need a word from God himself about the dress. 
And then not only that, you need shoes. So we got to pray, pray, God, show us the shoes, right? And then it's not just the shoes, it's the right purse. And then forget that, you got to get the right nail polish, the right eyeshadow, and the right jewelry. This is a vicious, demonic cycle women live in called getting ready. So our guys are a lot different. We just put on what doesn't smell bad and isn't wrinkled. Good to go. Good to go. That don't make us nasty, ladies. That makes us efficient. All right? That makes us efficient. So ah, ah, I'm telling you, she spent all day putting all this time, all this effort, and I totally stood up my prom date. I remember I called her a hot mess. I said, hey, hey, Leslie, hey, hey, girl. And, I, and she, she said, what? I said, listen, we're going to miss the dance. But I know a couple parties we could go to. You know what I'm and she said, this is what she says, no thanks. I'm going to bed, bye. And she hung up the phone on me. I totally stood up my prom date. Now, I may not have finished the job with Leslie, but are you going to finish the assignment God has put on your life? Are you still going to be drunk with excuses, intoxicated with weaknesses? Are you still going to be under the influence of all the things of why you should be disqualified? God didn't choose you. No, I'm not from the right family. This shouldn't be my assignment, but you were the only one willing to say yes. You were the only one that noticed the problem and God gave you a solution. I'm telling you, there is something about people who will build towards finishing, even if it doesn't affect their family, even if it's at the cost of their own own livelihoods they will finish and this is the type of self-sacrifice and total surrender that God needs he doesn't need casual and passives he doesn't need to be tipped he doesn't need just your Sunday he needs your every day he needs your every breath he needs your every thought he doesn't need just the best parts of you he needs the weakest parts of you he needs all of you he don't need just sometimes he needs you all the time it's not part-time devotion it's overtime devotion it's not part-time constant Consecration, it's overtime consecration. Do we have finishers this morning? We need people in California who know how to finish. We need people in America who know how to finish. We need dads who know how to finish. We need wives who know how to finish. We need kids who are not ashamed of finishing. I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. For the power of God unto salvation for the Jew first and then the Greek. We need people who know how to finish again. Miss me with the excuses. Miss me with the rationalizing. Miss me with the reasoning. Miss me with all your cares. Miss me with all the worries. I know God is a finisher and I plan on finishing this life correctly. Come on, if you're a finisher, give God 10 seconds of praise right now. I feel the presence of God in this tent. This isn't hype. This isn't passion. This isn't emotion. This is conviction. This is focus. This is a kingdom attribute called finishing. And if we're going to be finishers, we need three things. Let me give you three things. Number one, number one, number one, partial obedience is still disobedience. Partial obedience is still disobedience. You know, I, I appreciate the disciples. I really do. I know they had their weaknesses. They had their blind spots, but I appreciate the journey. Because early on, if you remember, Jesus is surrounded in John chapter 6, masses of people, crowds of people. And Jesus is noticing they are following him because they're treating him like a celebrity. So now he's going to thin the herd to really nobody. And so he literally says this in John 6. He says, do you want the new covenant? They're like, yes. This is what Jesus says. Go read it. He says, eat my flesh and drink my blood. And doesn't say anything else. Can you, can, you, can you imagine this? 
Hey, who wants to get the new covenant? Me! Eat my flesh, drink my blood. It's literally, he doesn't add to it, nothing. So the Bible says the masses turned away and left him. So then it's just the disciples, and Jesus turns to them and goes, hey, you gonna leave too? And they're, and they're sitting there like, ob, ob, uh, well, we kind of already made the decision. So we're stuck. Wish we would have read the fine print, but oh, okay. Right? They go three years. They journey three years not knowing the answer to this, not knowing the direction. Can you imagine? It just, it's just hovering, lingering in the back of their minds. He's, this man said, eat his flesh. No, no, no. Wait a minute. Eat his flesh. No, no, no. The CDC would be freaking out right now. You know, like there's just so much to be said. Eat his flesh. Drink his blood. He doesn't explain it. And then you got to read the Bible with some humor. Then Jesus gets to Jerusalem where he's about to be betrayed and go on to uh, be the final sacrifice for sin. Do you remember this? He gets there and he says, hey guys, hey boys, hey, let's find the upper room because it's time to have the last supper. If I, listen, if I know Jesus, like I know Jesus, this man was playing with some people. All right, time to have the last, hey, hey, Peter, the last, <laughs> the last, John, John, the last supper. You know what I'm saying? I'm sure, I'm sure Jesus is like, you guys ready? And everybody's like, no, feel the fast coming on right now. Going deeper with you. <laughs> You're like, there's so much to be said to this. Can you imagine? Jesus gets around the table. Everybody's like, okay, I, I could probably get there. I, I could probably get there, right? And then Jesus, Jesus breaks out the bread. This is my body. Here's the cup. This is my blood. Can you imagine the sigh of relief that hits this room? <laughs> like, oh, thank you. Je Jesus, you play too much, sir. I'm about to eat your arm, sir. I mean, a little hummus and olive oil. I'd have got there. I'd have got there, right? But let me help you out. This is what disciples really do. Disciples make the decision, I'm going to finish. And I didn't come this far to just have half-heartedness and double-mindedness. I came to finish because partial obedience is still disobedience. You know, I, I have, I, when I look at this, you have to study the culture and customs of the day to understand what King Saul is really coming under. Because when you captured another king alive, it was customary for you to bring them back to your own palace, chain them to one of your pillars in your throne room, so that when visiting kings, emissaries, and ambassadors came in, they would see that is King Agag, and now that King Agag became a living trophy. So this turned from being obedient to God to now I need some clout. I need some recognition. I need pats on the back. I need to be in the spotlight and you hadn't done any time in the shadows yet. I need to be everybody's visible and everybody's gift, but you don't know how to be hidden. You, I like how my, my brother Jeremiah or Jediah says, he says, you hold the mic and sometimes you need to hold the door. I mean, there is a lot to be said to this King Saul. The only thing you want is to fit in where culture wants you to fit in. But what if God is asking you to break protocol? What if he's asking you to break the rules? What if he's asking, I want to do a new thing and use your life to pioneer this thing so you could break through. Come on, I feel like God is punching a hole in the roof of some of our lives and he's causing a holy invasion. It's time. It's time. It's time that we understand partial obedience is still disobedience. Aren't you glad... People in the scriptures weren't partial. Like David's like, I do lions and bears, but I don't do giants. 
Mary's like, I, I don't do babies. <laughs> you imagine Paul's like, I don't do letters. I do podcasts, but I don't do letters. Jesus like, I, I don't, Jesus, I, I don't do crosses. I don't do crosses. You imagine, aren't you grateful God's not partial? He's not passive. He's not casual with anything in your life. How dare we think that we somehow can offer our life in doses, in sections, in parts, in pieces. No, let there be a total surrender in Orange County again. Let there be a mighty revival. Come on, I'm talking about third grade awakening level where the church is united, where things are shifting, things are transforming because we weren't given a partial obedience. We understand partial obedience still disobedience you know every time you know i've had the unique privilege of uh, journeying with a lot of leaders that that were discipling and mentoring and anytime i challenge the 99 percent, because i mean king saul's told to destroy everybody everyone everybody right he he kills 99 he's like hand sanitizer he kills 99.9 percent of who he's supposed to kill but at least one guy alive right and anytime i've challenged the 99 percent Normally what I hear is, Pastor Chris, why don't you look at the little, why are you looking at the little I didn't do? Or why don't you look at all that I did? Because it's still partial obedience. You'll find God's heart out three verses later because it says, I am grieved I ever made Saul king of Israel. This is what partial obedience will lead you to. I don't ever want to offend him. I don't want to quench him. I don't want to lose him and never know that I didn't have him. I don't want to be like Samson and Samson knew not that God departed from him. No, I want to be so in line. I want to be like Jesus when he baptized. It said something like the Holy Spirit, like a dove, came down on him and remained and stayed with him. Come on, finishers have a presence. Finishers have a glory. Finishers have someone backing them up. And his name is Jesus. Here's the second thing. If we're going to be finishers, number two, number two, number one, partial being still disobedience. Number two, we need the spirit of a finisher. You know, I know Jesus has got a lot of names in the Bible, all of them fitting. This is probably one of my personal favorites is that Jesus is a finisher. You know, I, I played a lot of basketball and half of our practices were running. It was just straight running. Come on, anybody remember practice, soccer practice, football, you remember basketball practice. It's, I'm telling you. They had these, they would be running you like attempted murder. Like it would be like, touch the line, down and back, nine seconds, bear crawl. You remember this? These were demonically inspired ways to get you faster and stronger. At least that's how you felt as a teenager. And we're sitting there, and I remember coach would blow the whistle, and we'd all get into the huddle as we end practice. And he would say this You want to know why I make you run so long and hard? And we're all sitting, <laughs> breathing like Quasimodo. And he said, and I remember he, I, every time, every practice, he would always say this. He'd say, you want to know why I make you run so long and hard? And we're like, yeah. And he said, because I want you to finish the game exactly as you start the game. See, God doesn't want you starting strong and finishing weak. He wants you starting strong and, st and finishing stronger. Come on, we're called to glory to glory, victory to victory. In the Hebrew, it means increase to increase. It's time. We had the spirit of a finisher. You know, I... I I personally have had times where it was hard to carry what God was asking me to do. Uh, I, whether it was for me, whether it was for my marriage or my family or maybe my life's call and assignment. I, I felt like, man, I feel like I'm going to be crushed. I'm going to be buried. And been, many times, I, I can't tell you how many times I've gone to the Lord and said, Lord, I've taken on too much. This is too much. And then he gently responds back. It's son, it's not that you've taken on too much. It's that you're taking on too little of what really strengthens you. You need to learn how to finish again. 
I, I, I have found myself studying different voices, different people, but the best are in the scriptures. The best are in the pages of that Bible we have. The best are, are, are in fact, many times when I found myself feeling the opposition more than I should or feeling the weight more than I should and trying to carry more than my fair share and not place in the Lord's hand. You know what I've always, I always found myself in Hebrews 11. It's amazing because the first 32 verses, it talks about the different patriarchs and matriarchs of our faith. It talks about Abraham, who literally, just on a word, all right, didn't have the Bible, didn't have a church service. There was no synagogue. There was nothing, no law, no nothing. Just on a word, left his family and his inheritance and just followed God. That's it. It talks about Rahab, Jesus' great, 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 grandmother. Right? It talks about people uh, uh, like Joseph who knew God would deliver Israel out of Egypt so much that when it finally happened, he said, I won't see it, but please take my bones with you when we leave. And they did. I'm talking about just people who face these extraordinary, impossible assignments and focuses. But then you get to verse 32. I want you to read this. Pretty sobering. The writer says, and what more shall I say? I do not have time to tell you about Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah about David, Samuel, and the prophets who through faith conquered kingdoms, administered justice, gained what was promised. Come on, how many of you have some promises that we need to step into this year? Come on, how many need to gain some prophetic words you need to step into this year? Gained what was promised. I love it. Who shut the mouths of lions. Not kitty cats. Lions. You're the man. Like you are another level. I had a friend of mine, this is a rabbit trail I had in the first service. I had it again. I, I remember... A friend of mine in Africa said he was walking back from church at night uh, in the bush of Africa and a lion came out of the bush and attacked him. In the middle of the line attacking, he's like this. God speaks to him and says, reach in its mouth and rip out its tongue and you'll survive. Listen, listen, fam. All right. The lion attacking your boy. If God says floss, baby, I'm flossing. You know what I'm saying? If he says brush them teeth, I'm brushing the lion's teeth, Right? This guy killed a lion because of what I'm telling you, you're the man you shut in the mouths of lions, right? He says, gain what was promised, who shut the mouths of lions, quenched the fury of the flames, escaped the edge of the sword. Watch this. Whose weaknesses was turned to strength. My gosh, how much more today, right? Who became powerful in battle, routed foreign armies, received back, women received back their dead, raised to life again. Come on, we need resurrection miracles again. We need this, right? There were others who were tortured, refusing to be released so they might gain an even better resurrection. Some faced jeers, flogging, even chains and imprisonment. They were put to death by stoning. They were sawed in two. They were killed by the sword. They went about in sheepskins, goatskins, destitute, persecuted, mistreated. And watch this, verse 38. And the world was not worthy of them. You feel that, don't you? What kind of person do you have to be? What manner of man or woman do you have to be for sacred scripture to say this world was not worthy of you? I'll tell you, a finisher. Someone who can carry it past the pain. Someone who can carry it past the bleeding. 
Someone can carry it past the, the unknown, past the uncharted waters, into unfamiliar territory. People who don't mind finishing and what God's asking them to do, they didn't get a degree in. They have no training. They haven't read a book. They don't know anybody who can help them. All they know is God's given me a blueprint. He's given me a word. He's given me a scripture. He's given me a lane, and I have got to finish this assignment. I don't care if I win or I lose. I just care about being faithful. I don't care if I'm known or not known. I just care. I'm going to fulfill the assignments of God on the earth. We need finishers. Again, you know what I have found is in the middle. It's not, we love starting because we're full of excitement, right? And we love finishing because we get that fresh sigh of relief. But there's something about the middle. The middle. The middle is where you get tempted to get comfortable. The middle is where you get tempted to make excuses. It's right there where, you know, I've fought enough. You know, I've moved this forward enough. I've given a lot of this. We've paid a price now. But it, you know in your heart it's not finished. It's not done. We're not, we're, it's not over. God's still writing the story. I'm the one that's losing steam, not him. Are you following me? We tend to get a little passive. We tend to get a little casual. Too many times we pray for comfort and not godly character. I mean, I'm talking about moments where we forget that we have the spirit of a finisher. I, I, in fact, I have found myself in what I call, this is full transparency, my ninja verses. I have ninja verses. Proverbs chapter 6, verse 10 and 11. Because the first part, you feel so warm and snugly. That's a word from my five-year-old. Um, but then verse 11 comes out of nowhere like a ninja. Like verse 5, or verse 10, right? Verse 10. A little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest. It's like a cup of chamomile tea. You know what I mean? It feels good, Right? Verse 11, and poverty will come on you like a thief and scarcely like an armed bandit. I mean, out of nowhere. Out of nowhere. I think what he's speaking to is our tendency in our, in, our, in our fleshly nature, in our human nature, to let the tiredness do the deciding, to let the intimidation do the deciding, to let the excuses do the deciding. And we know how to mask it with Christian words and verses and phrases. Well, I'm just in a different season now. No. No, you're not. No, you're not. I'm sorry. I love you. I'm Hispanic. I'm going to get all them toes. Okay? I'm going to get all the toes. All right? No, you're not. You're stronger. You've got more. God's faithful. I promise you, this feels heavy now. But if you'll lean in in prayer, give them 15 minutes in prayer, and you'll feel completely weightless. You won't be succumbed. You won't be overwhelmed. You won't feel like you've taken much. You'll feel a fresh supply of grace, a fresh supply of strength, a fresh revelation, a fresh authority, because you're committing, recommitting to finish. I remember one time I was in between jobs, and uh, I was leaving one job while my wife and I were engaged. And I was getting ready to step in. Uh, to a job that would financially change our life forever. And I remember uh, I went and put in my two weeks notice and traditionally this job, when you put in two weeks, they're like, oh, you don't have to stay here, you're done. But, but they broke tradition <laughs> and said, no, you're going to work every day of <laughs> them two weeks. And so I remember I get to the last day of that two weeks and I'm, it's the morning, I've cleared out my office, everything's in my car, I'm ready to go. I remember my wife and I, we were engaged and uh, 18 years ago. And uh, and I remember, um, I remember, I called her, and I said, "Hey, listen, I, I feel like you know I'm just gonna leave at lunch, 
I'm gonna come scoop you up. We're gonna have a whole day. Let's just hang out. Let's, let's just get a day together. I mean, like I start my new job on Monday. What's my old job gonna do? They gonna fire me. They gonna fire, they gonna fire me. You know, like I had such a bad attitude. And, and I said, hey, I'm gonna pick you up. Uh, uh, I'll be there around, uh, I think I said like two or three. And I'll never forget, Erica was like, uh, no, you won't. I said, woman. I mean, I wanted to say that. I didn't say, I said, I said, she said, uh, no, you won't. And I'm sitting there looking, I, I pulled the phone. I was like, what? I'm a thug. You don't know what, right? She, she said, uh, she said, no, you won't. I, she says, uh, because the man I'm going to marry knows how to finish. That's what God told me. The man I'm going to marry knows how to follow through on his word. And you said you'd work the last two weeks. And if you don't finish this, then I don't know if I'll marry you. Because what won't you finish in our marriage? And what won't you finish with our kids? And what won't you finish with your... No, you won't show up at a minute before five. I'm sitting there like, in the name of Jesus. What the... <laughs> There's something about finishing. Something. This is what I love about Pastor Mark and Pastor Rochelle. They're, they're finishers. It's, it's what I love about hanging out with some of the people I'm looking at in, in this tent. They're finishers. It's, it's what I love at Missions Me. No, we're going to finish. It don't matter what it costs. There's blood on the floor, and it's all ours. We're still going to finish. Come on, that's real. <laughs> Here's the last thing. The last thing. If we're going to be finishers, number one, partial obedience is still disobedience. Number two, we need the spirit of a finisher. And number three, we must live like Jesus lived. We must live like Jesus lived. I know that's probably not novel or original, but it is profound and powerful. We must live like Jesus lived. This is what I love about 1 John chapter 2, verse 6. He says, whoever says they are part of Christ, whoever says they abide in him, ought to live like he lived. In other words, if you call yourself a believer, right? If you call yourself a Christian, then your life should look exactly like Jesus's. This clearly makes Jesus our measuring stick. Not Pastor Mark. Not, not Pastor Rochelle. They're great. Not even me. I'm mm, maybe. Barely saved. Right? Like, this makes Jesus our measuring stick. I like what it says two chapters later in 1 John chapter 4. I believe it's verse 16 or 17. It says, as he, Jesus, as he is, so are we in this world as jesus is right now oceans church so are you and i here's my question is jesus victorious right now then so are you and i is jesus powerful right now then so are you and i is jesus a finisher right now then so are you and i you know i think one of the greatest examples of jesus ever finishing was in luke 22 i believe it's in verse 42 it, he, he is in an intense moment of prayer about to be betrayed by Judas and his blood is mixing with sweat and on research you look at that medical condition and you think you literally feel like you're dying he's praying for all of us in this tent the millions and billions untold numbers of souls that will be affected by what his life represents he feels like he's going to die blood mixing with sweat and then he utters these words Lord or Father let this cup pass but not my will be done your will be done now people have probably interpreted as jesus saying i i don't want to carry this get this away this is too much to do father this is too much let this cup pass but that's not what he's saying and what you have to do is pull out and just kind of see from a bigger context 
and really start to understand that Jesus is in the middle of a Passover season. And when you take Passover, you take a, what they call a Seder meal, a Passover meal, and you drink from four cups because it symbolizes the four times that Jesus even used the word cup that references back to when God delivered the uh, Israelites out of Egypt. And the third time Jesus references a cup is literally when he says, let this cup pass. So this cup doesn't just a cup. This ain't a plastic cup from Costco. This has meaning. It represented the cup of suffering. And what Jesus is not saying, get this cup away. What he's saying is, this cup isn't full yet. Because I'm in the garden, my blood's mixing with sweat. I feel like I'm going to die here. But I haven't been betrayed. I haven't been falsely accused. I haven't been mistrialed. I haven't been struck on my beard. I haven't had beard, uh, my, my hair and my beard be pulled out. I haven't had been whipped 39 lashes. I haven't been having, I haven't put on, placed a crown of thorns on me. I haven't a diseased coat and robe put on me. I haven't carried my own cross. I haven't climbed Golgotha's hill. I haven't hung on the cross. I haven't had piercings in my And if I die in this garden, it is an unfinished assignment. That is what he's saying. And I believe, that Jesus countered the tendency to get passive or casual or comfortable with bonding himself to the will of God. Not my will, but your will be done. Are you seeing this? This is why the Bible says Jesus is the author and the finisher of our faith. It says that he is faithful to complete the things that he starts. And on the cross, what did he say? It is finished. I believe it's time we had some finishers. Would you stand up with me this morning? I feel the presence of God here. I believe it's time for heaven to consider you reliable. That you're not just in love with starting. You're impassioned with finishing. You're consumed with being faithful. And I believe there's a, there's a mindset coming on a generation of people right now. Doesn't matter what age ethnicity doesn't matter I'm gonna be totally consumed with finishing what God puts on my life and I refuse to make excuses I refuse to play games with God's goodness I refuse to be intimidated when I go in the promised land I don't see giants I see grapes when I go into uncharted territories I see new possibilities new opportunities and if an impossible assignment comes I'm ready for that I like what we say at missions me we live the impossible we need to do what the world can't do without God come on I'm telling you we need finishers again we don't need you to start church your marriage didn't need you to start it needs you to finish your kids don't need you to start they need to see what it's like to weather some storms to go through the bumpy ride to take on an impossible task win or lose it doesn't matter as long as you finish I know it's heavy I know it's hard I feel like a lot of people went through the last 24 months and feel completely ambushed, blindsided, not ready. The, God never promised you'd be ready. God, have you read this book? It's not, a full, it's not full of people who had a plan. It, uh, like, Noah, go build a boat with no water. David, go kill a giant with no armor. I mean, they read the book. Hey, Moses, speak to the rock. Water going to come out the rock. These are just people who are highly committed to a good God. 
to a good God. And I feel like, I feel like those words echoing again in my spirit. Son, I've got some unfinished business. God has unfinished business with your addiction. He's going to free you from that this morning. He has unfinished business with that pain. He's going to heal you from it this morning. He has unfinished business with that unforgiveness. He's going to free you from that this morning. I'm telling you, he's going to take on your cares, your worries, your passions like they were his own. And I promise you, even on God's worst day, his weakest day, he's still bringing home a W. I don't know where you're at. I haven't had the privilege of meeting all of you. I, I commonly get introduced as this is Erica's husband. She's the social butterfly. She'll meet everybody. I'm like, I'm, I'm a person too. I have an identity. This is the nicest church on the planet. And I'm from Texas. I'm telling you, like people smile. You probably paid a lot for it, but you smile. good it's all good it's judgment-free zone there's nobody perfect it's not a room full of experts this is not a team full of flawless individuals promise you that not me not me not me i just know a good god who looked at my addiction who looked at my perversion who looked at where the source of my anger was coming from said give me I want to finish that now. We're going to move you on to something great. If you're here, you don't believe in Jesus, but you feel that presence. This isn't a motivational speech. I'm not life coaching this morning. This is the truth of God's word. The love of God's presence touching your life. It's marking you right now. Wherever you're at in life, wherever you're at, failure, wins, success, completely undone, doesn't matter. I just care, number one, do you know Jesus? Have you accepted Jesus? You might have tried church, but you never tried Jesus. Imagine if you tried Jesus, I promise you'll fall in love with this church. If you have never surrendered your life to Jesus, I can tell you from one friend, one voice to another, my life has never been the same. I have a marriage I should not have. I have kids I don't deserve. I get to serve on a team. I don't know how I got there. Except God's just that good. He really is that good. I'm getting overwhelmed. He really is that good. And I want you to taste that. I want you to experience that. But you got to start with the step. The first step. Surrender your life to Jesus. With every head bowed and every eye closed. If you have never surrendered your life to the Lordship of Jesus Christ, I want to invite you to do that now. I want you to make up your mind. Come on, disciples, people, make decisions. If you have never given your life to Jesus, I want you to throw your hand up. Every head bowed, every head closed. But I want you to say, Pastor Chris, that's me. That's me. I'm giving my life. I'm not playing games anymore. I'm not being hurt anymore. Man, I see hands. I see hands. I see hands. Come on, thank you, Jesus. I see hands. God, I'm, I'm, that's it. I'm starting the new year. I'm getting radical with this. I'm making the decision now. I'm surrendering my life. It belongs to you. Wow, I love this. Whether you're online too, you might be watching and you're saying, that's me, that's me. I need to give my life to Jesus. Put the hand up emoji. We got a team that's ready to pray for you. I'm telling you, I believe the presence of God is here for this moment right here. Most important thing we'll do today. If you have never given your life to Jesus, I want to ask you to repeat after me when we pray. And I want to ask the whole church to do this, but I want to say this. There's nothing magical about the words we're saying. What's supernatural is the meaning in your heart because the Bible says you can confess with your mouth 
believe in your heart that Jesus is Lord, then you will not perish, but you will have everlasting life. Man, I feel the presence of God. Let's pray. And let's I want you, if you raise your hand and the whole church, if, if you pray this prayer, would you repeat after me and say, Jesus. Come on, pray with some volume. Say, Jesus. I surrender my life. I ask you, forgive me of my sins. I thank you that you died for me, that you rose again, and you're alive today. I belong to you. My life is now yours. I declare I'm a finisher. In your name I pray. Amen. Amen. Come on, can we get excited about some new family? Welcome to the family of God. Come on, can we give God just a few moments of praise? Lord, you're so good. Now, I want to pray. I want to pray for, for everyone in the room. Obviously, we're at the beginning of the new year, and a lot of people write down a lot of things, journals, planners, strategies, vision, a lot of conversation. A lot of, you know, my wife and I just spent the last two, three days praying and processing about what we want to believe God for this year. I mean, a lot of us are starting well, but you won't finish unless you start with the end in mind. And I believe that business plans will just stay on paper if there's no commitment to finish. Those things you want out of your marriage this year, the things you want to see in your kids this year, it won't take place unless you decide to finish what you want out of your final year at high school what you want out of college this year what you want out of life what you want in your spiritual formation your personal discipleship are you following me your habits speak a lot you want those things to matter and we've got to finish i i i was in conversation with someone very special to me yesterday and they said one thing i loved about jesus was that he died finished i want us to say that I died completely full of fulfillment and faithfulness. I died finished. That's you. We need the spirit of finisher. And I just want to know if we could join our faith together and have a moment of prayer the next 60 seconds and just say, Pastor Chris, that's me. I need to finish. I got some things I need to finish on this team. I got some things I need to finish that God, I journaled in 2020 and just, I felt them come back and God start to resurrect and realign and create moves and make opportunity. I, I feel like doors are opening. I feel like God is blowing the dust off of excuses. He's blowing the, I'm telling you that dust that has kept you hollow, that dust that has kept you frail and weak and timid. I'm telling you, a lion is waking up. You're going to uncork. I'm telling you, there are things in your life that are going to be undoing in the best way. Father, I thank you for these hands. Lord, are you recognize every purpose, every mantle, every call, every claim, every bit of what you've called each of us uniquely to do and for us to do corporately together. I declare that we will have the spirit of a finisher. I declare a grace to finish. I declare a strength to finish. Where there's been confusion, I pray for clarity. Lord, where there's been passiveness, I pray for purpose. Where there's been comfort, let a holy discomfort cause a holy invasion to be marking our life everywhere we go. Lord, I thank you. Let us finish. I declare you will finish. 
You will not fail. I break the fear of failure off of you right now. I break the fear of rejection off of you right now. I break the fear of humiliation and embarrassment. I break it off of you right now. And I call you into strength. I call you into the goodness of God. I call you in to the flow. I call you into the anointing. I call you in the truth of God's word. You will finish in the mighty name of Jesus. Come on, if you agree with that, give God 10 seconds of praise right now. Thanks for listening to our podcast. Have a great week.